Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Horn of Africa Leftist Podcast. This is a continuation of the previous episode and uh, this is an attempt to uh, give a self-criticism, also response to any criticism or uh, or feedback. So this episode will be dedicated to just uh, further giving more detail or explaining the uh, motivating factor and why uh, the episode is important and why I pushed it out now. Uh, again, um, I'm a person that believes in self-criticism and criticism also. So if these are legitimate principle uh, criticism about the episode, I like to address it. I have no problem if people feel like uh, there was wrong information. Uh, they have a lot of, uh, they have questions about how things were framed. I have no problem, uh, you know, engaging people who don't come, uh, don't do it in a personal slight way or do it in a way that is uh, not insulting or, any, you know, don't like personally assault individual. Just come in a way that is principle and political. Uh, based on politics, not personal uh, attacks. So I welcome those. This has been consistent. This is my, you know, this is my approach within the Eritrean community uh, and also just the, within the left spaces. If there are legitimate concerns and feedback, you know, we can have a private discussion, uh, you know, and then from there I can hear it out. So I have no problem taking on criticism that are needed or feedback to better improve my analysis, but also to better improve this podcast experience for everyone attempting to enrich their analysis and uh, provide information that can make your view of Ethiopia and the Horn of Africa very balanced and very principled. So let's begin. I mean, before we start, I mean, I have to definitely quote, uh, you know, one of the greatest uh, theorist revolutionary of all time, uh, somebody that's always inspired by is Mao. Mao, you know, for one of the quotes that people use often, you know, it's a cliche, but I definitely want to quote, quote it for this episode because that is the basis of this episode, you know, is responding to feedback and, you know, and struggling with self-criticism and ways to do better and also, you know, strengthening your ideas and persuasion. So let's start. I think the quote that everybody's aware is this. So Mao stated, if we have shortcomings, we are not afraid to have them pointed out and criticized because we serve the people. Anyone, no matter who may point out our shortcomings, if he's right, we will correct them. If what he proposes will benefit the people, we will act upon it. Again, I have no issue if there were some uh, hiccups or things that were said in this episode or previous times and there are legitimate concerns or feedback, I welcome it. I have no, I'm not one of those people who just say disregard and uh, turn off the issue. No. If they are correct, uh, listen to them. And again, or even if they're not correct, that's fine. <laughs> let's just, let's just leave the personal insult or, petty uh, way of engaging uh, online is not necessary but let's begin i think um you know let's talk about the feedback i think i've had different discussion uh from various uh people who are in the media spaces and our organizers who reached out and said you know they have their different views and mostly it's positive but it was just a little concerns about certain things that was said i just need to clear that up for those people who were listening and again, I, you know, I'm very lucky to be in this organiz uh, organizing space or media space where I can have, you know, talk to people from around the world, organizers, and it's a privilege and I'm honored to have people, you know, I'm able to have this connection uh, and it's great to have people who can like appreciate the work, uh, even though it's small people, it doesn't matter as long as it's being acknowledged and that's all that matters and I appreciate those people who have done that. 
Uh, but let's begin. I think one of the great feedback I've got is uh, from a cra- comrade that uh, um, th- this person, I don't have to reveal the person's name, but uh, for now, you know, we have had a different uh, internal dialogue and the, the 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 feedback I got makes sense. And I'm going to quote the individual uh, what the person has said in regards to this episode and their responses. And this is a quote that people really uh, hopefully need to understand. And it makes sense. But let me let me just uh, share the quote for you guys. This person, in response to the last episode, sent me this message. And, uh, you know, they were saying the the episode was uh, they learned a lot in regards to Brahan Nogu. And it, it was something that was needed. And again, I'm not, not trying to toot my horn. It's just something that was, you know, pushed out by a comrade or uh, somebody that I trust and somebody I go to it just, I go to several people and individuals that, you know, can check me and give self criticism. Uh, you know, so that's what this person is. So let's start. I think the quote that the person pushed out is, uh, you know, these Western leftists absolutely need to just keep it at imperialism and stay away from the internal politics of Ethiopia. Just being in PFJ promotes you to address the primary contradiction which is imperialism but the lack of acknowledgement of secondary contradiction by pfj leads to a lack of understanding of an analysis on how the ruling class exploits the secondary contradiction to further their agenda these secondary contradiction are weaponized so this also gives legitimacy to abby who on top of being even more uh neoliberal policies than tplf has done, denied historical grievances of folks in Ethiopia and even in America. And like you said, you can pose in a fight against imperialism uh, without totally endor- endorsing the other side. It shouldn't stop at just primary contradiction. And the person went on to say that, uh, you know, g- gave a great example from the, uh, the 1970s, which is, uh, you know, reference to the Ethiopian People's Revolutionary Party, and this person uh, made a great uh, uh, point. The Ethiopian People's Revolutionary Party was actively resisting the Derg, the pseudo-Marxist regime. They still align with the Derg's decision to oust Western puppet entities from Ethiopia. And this is an example this person said is it being principal and lying on the right side without endorsing the other side. So this is the case. I think, uh, you know, it would be unprincipled for me to not acknowledge that the PFJ, yes, they are uh, somewhat correct to a certain extent on their opposition to imperialism, but they got everything wrong internally inside Eritrea as far as continuing the Eritrean revolution, uh, how to manage it and uh, improve the, the the status quo and, uh, you know, politically, uh, you know, um, reimagine the status quo and uh, push the revolution or continue what the EPLF, the socialist legacy of the EPLF has uh, committed to and the success of the Eritrean revolution initially, that's not, they didn't really do a good job internally. And that's the issue that, uh, you know, as a person who's Eritrean, I don't directly support them because of this, but I support defending the Eritrean state from imperialism, defending the Eritrean revolution, defending the legacy of the uh, leftist or socialist elements within ELF, ELM, EPLF, all the revolutionaries, regardless of what faction or front they were, the legacy that they wanted to have a legit revolution and continue the Eritrean revolution. So that's my belief and my ideas right now. But as far as supporting the PFJ, I don't support them. I used to support them and I was a member of the YPFJ years ago, but that's not my position at now. Uh, politically, I have evolved beyond that. Right now, I'm asking for um, 
you know there has to be a way forward and that regards that will take another episode to discuss the internal matters of uh, eritrea and the limits uh, the limits of the pfj internally in their uh, issues that's, that's another episode that needs to be dedicated to understanding eritrea and the left criticism of the pfj not like a reactionary criticism that is you know echoing at the state department but a left criticism of the pfj is necessary is needed so that uh, anybody looking into eritrea can have a stronger analysis but that'll, that'll be another episode and a different time but yeah so these are the uh you know the, the 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 main feedback that i've gotten uh from the pfj and you know i mean uh from the person that i mentioned they not criticism but feedback so uh, like I mentioned, the, the person recognized that the PFJ is, is correct on imposing, uh, uh, somewhat resisting or quasi resisting imperialism in the Horn of Africa. Uh, but they are wrong in their internal understanding and their alliance and their approach to Ethiopia. Uh, you know, they, they just are not, they don't have the right approach and it's not revolutionary basically. And it's kind of alienating the marginalized community, the Ottomans, and the the uh, they went away from effectively addressing the national question. So it is a very difficult strategy to have. I understand from the PFJ side, those people, um, it is not an easy decision to align themselves with the uh, Abyssinian faction of the Amharic region. But uh, you know, uh, it would be unprincipled for me to not to give analysis why that decision was made. And at the same time, give a, a left criticism of it. That That's something I want to provide with this uh, podcast to give a left criticism of the PFJ so that the people looking into Eritrea can have a richer analysis. So this person in, uh, in relation to the PFJ currently and their position in, on imperialism is correct, but they got everything wrong with Abby. They got it wrong uh, with the their understanding on the national question inside Ethiopia. They're aligned with the dominant figures and the rule, the uh aka settler class uh who enjoy the fruits of what is called ethiopia and also the tplf enjoy the fruits of what is called ethiopia they're not oppressed they're not part of the oppressed nationalities they never were um these two elements are part of the northern class ruling class the abyssinian class and they haven't they're having a power struggle uh one is out uh, you know and not in favor by the west obviously but the other is the, the tplf uh but they're both are you know have enjoyed this thing called Ethiopia for a hundred years. You know, the Tigrayan rulers or the Abyssinian rulers have been a junior partner to the Amharu Abyssinian ruling class who oppressed, uh, exploited the land of the oppressed nationalities, the riches, everything, the land grabbing, everything, they benefited well. And the there was nobody from the north who's been oppressed because of their name, just like the Oromos. The the there's no Tigray who Tigrawi who has been oppressed to uh, like the Oromos, it is not the same thing. This this was a political struggle. Yes, there was a political struggle between these uh, entities, the Amharus and the Tigray rulers, the Wayana Revolution in the 1940s. Uh, that is legitimate. That did happen, but it is not comparable to the oppressed nationalities who really went through a serious genocide. Uh, they were conquered and colonized, and the people from the north enjoyed the privilege of settler colonialism in the south. That's the issue here. And this is where the left keeps getting it wrong. The left got Ethiopia wrong, especially the anti-colonial bloc from the 1800s. They got it wrong in understanding of the Battle of Ottawa, wrong in understanding of Medlek, wrong in understanding Haile Selassie and the feudal uh, emperor, wrong in understanding the Dirk, aka pseudo-Marxist regime, wrong in understanding the 
Uh, Melissa Zanawi, the TPLF elements who were in power, backed by Washington for 28 years, and wrong in their understanding of Abby currently and his political backing and his foundation. Again, this is just pretty much a long legacy of getting Ethiopia wrong again. That's why the emphasis on the word again. So uh, this episode is pretty much a continuation of the last episode. And I feel like there has to be multiple episodes dedicated to showing how the the left, uh, you know, whatever they're from the Pan-African section or just the white left or just the, the black left or the global left overall, their understanding of Ethiopia uh, is wrong again from the Battle of Ottawa to Menlek to Halaslase to the Derg to Melesinawi and the TPLF to now Abbey. It's it's wrong in their understanding and their narrative that was set by these established uh, ruling class who are more aligned with the settler colonials uh, uh, ruling class who enjoy the privilege of colonialism and the, you know, the conquest of the uh, uh, oppressed nationalities, which Amharu's, uh, Amharu region and Tigray region are not oppressed nationalities. They never went through the conquest and uh, land acquisition of the AKA uh, uh, Ethiopia. They were, they are Ethiopia. Ethiopia is Amharu region and Tigray that just expanded and colonized other nations and nationalities, other independent uh, entities that existed prior to the creation of this thing called Ethiopia, prior to the existence of this thing called Eritrea. But yeah, let's just move forward. I think that was the feedback I got from a comrade about how, um, you know, addressing the primary uh, contradiction is important. The primary contradiction is imperialism, obviously. And uh, who is the main, uh, you know, entity or proxy actor that is backed by imperialism? It is TPLF. That must be emphasized and opposed and called out over and over again tplf is the entity that is causing an issue it is a proxy actor but at the same time we must be careful and not uh do not have this view that the uh, abby you know giving legitimacy to abby because his faction the uh, prosperity party the uh, extreme right wing neoliberal uh personalities that he has in the party from the Amharu region or other region is just not the Amharu region but they are um they have an ideological uh positioning that is against the oppressed nationality in the national question and how to have a, a new Ethiopia or one that is more uh democratically aligned when I say democratic aligned that is more of uh, where the historical grievances recognize of you know for the oppressed nationalities and there's a way forward that is more scientific and socialist based that can address these issues and heal these uh, distress but it requires not holding on to this menlek view of ethiopia not holding on to the halas view of ethiopia or johannes view of ethiopia this needs to be redefined and that's this is an those was an ongoing struggle with the oppressed nationalities from Oromia, the Somali region, uh, all these elements were struggling before these leftists got on, you know, this wave of uh, opposing the TPLF because they're back Washington. This was an ongoing struggle. And then somebody has, a lot of these voices are coming in and not understanding your module, you're helping to, uh, you know, the, the implication long-term is for you, they're gonna use you long-term to pretty much say, you supported Ethiopia, Therefore, these are the enemies of Ethiopia, the oppressed nationalities from Oromos, those who express, hey, it's just legitimate grievances about how the state was founded. Hey, this is my land and so on. So that's the concern. It's a slippery slope that will cause 
harm later on if nobody is act- actively trying to principle in a principal way warn the consequences of what is this leading to it would cause an issue with the oppressed nationalities you're alienating yourself from the Oromos, who are the largest nationalities in the Horn of Africa, more than 40 million. You're going to alienate yourself from the Somali region who are, uh, you know, in the Ogaden region who have gone through, uh, you know, conquest. They're, uh, you know, a people who belong with the Somali nation uh, or who belong independently or they're not part of this thing called Ethiopia. They are uh, different. They were recently just their land and their the entity known as Ogaden or Somali region was given by the British to uh uh Hale Selassie. so this is a way to understand this is internal colonialism that has been taking uh shape for you uh, since Melek and the left positioning has been wrong again and again and again and it's repeatedly wrong because we have people who are you know uh who hold pro Abyssinian views hold these views that are uh, you know ideologically in opposition to the struggle of the press nationality so uh, you know, um, the people who, you know, like the personality that people, uh, focusing on is, uh, Simon Tesfaye Elas Amare. All these people have these positions that are very anti-oppressed nationalities. They call the OLA or the Oromos or anybody who's a nationalist, uh, tribalist, ethno-fascist. And this is the consequences that will do harm for the, the legacy of the Eritrean Revolution. But anybody who is, interested in a unifying the horn of africa you're causing more division more harm by alienating the marginalized community and these spaces there needs to have conversation uncomfortable conversation on the foundation of just not the ethiopia but eritrea uh just the horn of african influence of neo-colonialism imperialism and the creation of these nation state initially and it starts from ethiopia eritrea and somalia so this is a longer way of providing a critical f- uh, p- uh, pushback against the set narrative and managed by the Abyssinian um, Jordan uh, Abyssinian uh, faction and also the PV- PFDJ alliance who right now have an alliance because uh, of the TPLF but beyond that there's not that much commonality uh, between the PFDJ and the uh, Abyssinian base besides opposition to the TPLF but let's move forward. I think the criticism that the first criticism that I've gotten, uh, which is fine, it's not criticism, but I think it was a comment that was left. Um, this account uh, on social media made a comment said that uh, I repeatedly stated that Abby started this war with TPLF, and there, uh, that's not that's not the positioning I've had or held or publicly or I've never said stated that. But I think the last episode. Um, you know, I had to rewind and just go back to that line where I said that Abby started the war. Uh, that was a hiccup on my part. I think the 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 way I should have said it is uh, he uh, responded to the TPLF, uh, and then the war was ignited. The the who ignited the war? It was the TPLF, the Washington back uh, TPLF. Obviously, they were planning, pre planning for months, and they were ready for war, and they were just you know ready for agitation. And this is the case. This is evident. This is archive. But yeah, uh, but previous episodes from the beginning, I always stated to emphasize the Washington back uh, TPLF as aggressor against Eritrea, Ethiopian Defense Forces, and Somalia. So uh, I think that's a good catch. I think, uh, you know, I never repeatedly stated that Abby started the war, but I think the last episode, I had to catch myself. And, you know, so uh, because, you know, this 
type of episode is done in an impromptu way where I'm just recording. So good catch, but that's not my position overall. I've, you can look through my tweets, uh, articles, interviews that I've really uh, repeatedly stated that this war was ignited by the TPLF, obviously. So that's the first criticism, which is legitimate. But um, again, I think that was just uh, a quick uh, 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 warning. That was a mistake on my part, the last episode, and stating that part. But overall, I always emphasize that TPLF started the war. Se- second, um, Another question is, uh, I'm just going to quote out what they said. Just simply having a position doesn't really mean anything if it doesn't translate to material action. In my opinion, many of the left, save a save a few organization, are failing to capture the moment of what is essentially a pan-African movement against a neo-colonial design. That's not true. Uh, this, yeah, obviously, that's true. That's true as far as... Um, Having a position, yeah, this is a podcast. I'm not in under uh, illusion or, uh, you know, to assume that having a podcast or tweets does it, uh, does it translate to some type of material action or like protest without any type of, uh, principle unity or organization that can lead this. That's not, that doesn't translate to material action. That's correct. I think this person has a legitimate, um, uh, pushback and I, I recognize that. I think that's true. And, uh, in this case, having a position of that is not, you know, doesn't translate to mature action is something that needs to be, uh, you know, called out. In this case, uh, the having a position and understanding where you come from, uh, at all, also you have to push back on red narrative that are set, you know, that can really do harm materially on the ground and it can do harm to, uh, the oppressed nationalities. It can do harm to the Eritrean Revolution and the Eritrean state uh, independence. It can do harm to Somalia. It can do harm to the people in the South. If the these type of narrative are not counter or uh, ideologically challenged. So it's both, you're correct to a certain extent, but at the same time, it has ideas and views and persuasions needs to be challenged or countered in a principal way. Um, as far as, Failing to capture the moment of what is essentially a pan-African movement against neocolonialism is wrong. This is not, <laughs> this is not a pan-African movement against neocolonial design, but the no more, uh, social media campaign. It's just a social media campaign. Uh, it is, it's a movement that is not meant to, uh, oppose neocolonial design, but to give legitimacy to what Ethiopia is, um, and to silence out the, legitimate historical grievances of the oppressed nationalities. Yeah, the TPLF is Washington back and the Washington is causing, uh, uh, you know, destabilization of Ethiopia and not just Ethiopia, just the Horn of Africa itself. Yeah, anybody can say imperialism is the cause. Anybody can say Washington has is backing TPLF. But this is not a, a pan-African movement against neo-colonial design, but to legitimize neo-colonialism that was set by the Europeans, which is the creation of Ethiopia, the, the internal colonialism of uh, oppressed nationalities such as Oromia nations, uh, uh, Somalia region, the Sodomo people, and all these southern nations that are inside Ethiopia, what you would call the prison house of, uh, prison house of nations. So that's not true. This is not a failure to capture what is uh, essentially a pan-African movement. This thing called no more. Um, I, it is not to discredit anybody that's in it. Uh, if you are legitimately sincere about your opposition to imperialism, uh, non-intervention, 
yeah, we can engage. But beyond that, there's a lot of like questions and baggage about the movement itself because uh, there's no principles of unity. I think one example of principles of unity that I, uh, you know, want to reference is the Black Alliance for Peace. The, the Black Alliance for Peace has a great principles of unity that uh, focus on self-determination, imperialism, patriarchy, and so on. With this no more movement, there is no organization. It's just a whole social media hashtag movement that our people are reacting to, uh, you know, the TPLF invading Amharo region uh, and also the Eritrean uh, sanction, the, you know, sanctioned by Washington. These are the two factors that led to the, uh, you know, the hashtag movement and the timing of it came at a, uh, at a time where both uh, the Amharo region and Ethiopia and Eritrea are under, you know, attack, which is something that needs to be countered and, uh, opposed because the TPLF has no reason to be inside Amharo region or the Afar region. That must be recognized and that must be clear. But this is not a pan-African movement. Again, like if you see the diaspora protest, majority of it was in North America, but uh, it also happened in Europe. But the, the base of these protests and the social, political, economic base is the so structure is coming from the Amharu region. The uh, majority of the diaspora protests are from the Amharu nationalities who feel, uh, you know, they feel because of the invasion, occupation and killing of the Amharu people, they have to uh, respond and oppose it. But uh, I, <clears throat> I mean... The, the issue is, if it wasn't for the TPLF to invade Amharu region, I don't think this will be happening or it took, a, it took the TPLF to invade Amharu region for them to recognize that imperialism uh, on Ethiopia or, uh, or even recognize that the imperialism all the, all these years have been attacking Eritrea. But when, uh, when the TPLF was in power, all these elements were silenced or were actually supporting the TPLF to a certain extent. Uh, this, you know, aggression against Eritrea and invasion, even during the 1998 war. So even the invasion of Somalia and, and so on. So there's a lot of baggage and people need to understand the makeup of the no more thing. The more hash, uh, social media hashtag is coming from this two uh, political block, the PFBJ and Eritrea, who, and in addition to that, the Amharu, aka the Abyssinian ruling class who are based mostly in uh, North America uh, you know, these all these cities and the protest is a unification or an alliance of these social and political block. Again, I have no problem if you're legitimately and sincerely uh, with good intention are trying to oppose uh, imperialism in Ethiopia and Eritrea and are very inclusive. The question, uh, the national question in Ethiopia, you're not very anti-impressed nationalities. You're, uh, you know, I'm more in alliance with that type of thinking. But I'm just not sure about the rest of the extreme right, the neoliberal elements and, and so on, who are part of this no more thing and who present the, the one view of Ethiopia that kind of will alienate uh, the oppressed nationalities of marginalized community. And also it will alienate Somalia, will alienate Eritrea. Now, this is not needed. I think some of them are confusing this international or these protests or these uh, social media content creators opposing imperialism as a way to endorse their idea of Ethiopia, to endorse their idea of Horn of Africa, their idea of, uh, you know, the Ethiopian exceptionalism, this idea that Ethiopia must be the center of everything uh, and so on. That is not needed. We're not trying to, um, you know, push out support of chauvinism. Uh, so 
even even the protests overall like the majority if it wasn't for the the PSL or the no war coalition or the BAP to emphasize Eritrea it would have gotten lost because this the 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 political bloc they, they have a problem recognizing Eritrea independence you know they're probably some of them are improving me I'll give them that some of them are improving it's not all of them but there are some who don't really recognize Eritrea and they just view us as Ethiopian or they don't recognize Eritrean independence or they're just like concealing it now because they were they need this alliance with the Eritrean state but that is a problem here and you know this is uncomfortable for people to hear but that's what's happening again if they are legitimate leftist or uh socialist based ethiopian uh comrades who see this contradiction who understand that hey not everyone in the no more movement is legitimately against imperialism or against uh these reactionary forces but are taking on a uh this momentum to give legitimacy to what their idea of Ethiopia is and to defend that and to use the Battle of Ottawa to use this idea and this imagination of the uh within the black diaspora again to enforce uh you know an idea that uh that was created by Menlik and created by the Europeans you know that marginalized uh oppressed nationalities and so on so that's that's a problem here and that's um and you know, saying that this is a pan-African movement is wrong. There's, <laughs> this is not a movement against uh, neo-colonial design. It's just people who are hyper uh, focused on nationalism, which is fine. It's just fine. Again, there's no issue here. It's just like the focus is just uh, in a way to give legitimacy to Abby. It is not fully an imperial, an anti-imperialist uh, movement. It's just a social media movement that is just like mixed bag of everything it is not uh truly uh based you know led by a revolutionary organization or an organization that has principles of unity and to be honest the way forward if anybody wants to listen if uh it doesn't have to be the no more thing it could be a different organization it could be a way to um, have a principles of unity you know you are ethiopian you are eritrean you are somali and then these things about uh, centering Menelik or centering uh, Menelik, Johannes Halaslase, that's not needed. Centering the imperial flag, that's not needed. So there has to be a principle of unity that is anti-feudal, anti-Avicenian fundamentalism, but also being sensitive to the issue of the Amharo region, the Afar region. So everybody will be happy. And I'm providing a solution that can work. There has to be a principle of unity way to move forward and i don't think right now that's the case it's just a vague uh hashtag movement that has not based you know led by an organization that is like uh serious about revolution or serious and understanding pan-african it's just not people holding hands and flag waving and that's not what pan-african is it's more rooted in scientific socialism and the action and the application itself needs to be understood beyond just hand holding and flag waving and that's not what it is this is uh, pan-africanism is not endorsing halasalasi pan-africanism is not endorsing the idea of settler state pan-africanism is not endorsing the you know the notion that the the oppressed uh, nationalities in ethiopia their voices and their historical grievances must be disregarded ignored again like the way africans and pan-africans have done during the the 40s i mean the 40s 50s 60s 70s and so on so again this cannot be repeated so this must be uh, resisted and this is not a pan-African movement against neo-colonial design. No, it is not. It's just people who have hyper-nationalism opposing or against this Washington policy for now.
they have. It's just a temporary. There's nothing long term. There's not long term focus. The social and political structure of these, the base of what the protesters are, has to be understood and examined. So there has to be a principle of unity, and there isn't. And then the next uh, criticism that I've gotten: what end? What end is having a critic of the government of Ethiopia while under? attack by U.S.-backed forces supposed to contribute to the global movement. Should the left not unite with the no more movement against imperialism or should it? Obviously, this is not uh, uh, saying that the left should not uh, oppose imperialism in the Ethiopia, Eritrea, or the Horn of Africa. Again, this is a, this is a podcast that's always about advancing uh, anti-imperialism and ways forward. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, maybe this person is not understanding the purpose of this podcast or uh who the you know who i am or what, what i stand for but that's not true i'm not against the left uniting uh with any type of anti-imperialism or views or non-intervention not just ethiopia but the horn of africa again like the problem with the no more is emphasizing on ethiopia the imperial flag uh is just emphasizing too much on ethiopia that's not what we need we need one that is an alternative to that is uh you know more radical or just radical in principle and that is not led by like just liberals at the helm that that's not what we need so that's that's my concern and again uh it is not to uh attack uh the ethiopia but, but to present a critical view of ethiopia that's uh the ideological struggle that was uh you know that was being waged way before 2018 if i didn't give you a perspective that can you know bring light to these issues and you're just going in uh, with this view that is pretty much one-sided that's influenced by the the dominant power players that have had power since Medlik conquered the nations and nationalities that is not uh you know giving aid to a rich analysis that can help people anti-imperialism that is not that's dishonest and this should not be repeated there if there was a leftist or a legitimate left criticism of the black diaspora or Marcus Garvey, all these people supporting Medlek during or the battle of Ottawa, you know, that would have helped to guide people not to support a fetal monarch. And if there was uh, even during 1930s, what was what was the intent of opposing, uh, you know, or, you know, trying to restore a Abyssinian fetal monarch uh, during the 1930s? You're not fighting for communism. You're not fighting for some type of socialist government you're fighting to restore the fetal abyssinian monarch i you know that's the basis and then i think a lot of the anti-colonial um people from the 1890s or the 1800s and 1990s uh 1900s were misinformed about the internal struggle about misinformed about the uh, nations and nationalities and their struggle and their narrative and how uh, they are conquered people internally and their voices and their who they are has been erased from the narrative. And and that's the problem. If there was no uh, left criticism or if there was no um, if there was just rephrase again, if there was left criticism during the 1890 Battle of Ottawa, things would have been a little bit better. People would have gotten the right information. They would, and then Battle of Ottawa would not live in this uh, cliche imagination that is, you know, Within the black diaspora, but the global left, for some reason, the battle of Ottawa is misunderstood as a way to uh, uh, echo anti-colonialism when it's not there. Middlech was backed by the French, gave weapons. Who gave him the weapons? Who gave him all the money and the funding to enslave and uh, push out You know the conquest of the people in the South? The West. 
the Europeans did. Who created Ethiopia? The Europeans did. So let's be honest, the Battle of Adwa and the misunderstanding uh, uh, is due to not having a leftist criticism. The left uh, or anti-colonial or black nationalist understanding of uh, Haile Selassie is because there was no left criticism to provide them balance. And then there, the left or the black diaspora view on uh, Derg is because there was no proper, uh, uh, you know, well, uh, you know, principle criticism of the pseudo Marxist dark regime. Same thing for Melissa Nawi in Ethiopia and also uh, currently in Abbey. There has to be voices that can tell you, hey, you want to be cautious here. From the point of view of history, you're going to be, it's going to, it's not going to age well what you're doing right now. It, you know, the people positioning on the Battle of Ottawa did not age well. The people positioning on Hala Selassie during the, when the fascist Italians invaded did not age well. And the, the people positioning of the Derg, pseudo-Marxist, uh, hijacking the Ethiopian revolution did not age well. And the people positioning on the Mila Zanawi during the 90s and 2000s did not age well. The people who are positioning their uh, support of Abby or the hardline positioning right now, instead of just focusing on imperialism and, uh, and non-intervention, would not age well. That's all I'm saying. All right, so the next question or criticism is, Nowhere in any of the breakthrough or black agenda report coverage of the war have I seen any praise Avi as some kind of socialist anti-imperialist hero. Some fair to unfair to suggest that there's position when it's not. Again, like I, I definitely recommend people review Eugene's interview uh maybe four months ago and just review what he's saying, how he uh frames Avi. Now, nowhere if I said that they were framing him as socialist or uh, anti-imperialist. Uh, it wasn't direct. It was just more of leading to that. Like in the, it was, it was concerning and, uh, or like a progressive leader. So again, uh, I definitely recommend everybody, uh, review how Abby and how he was presented by Eugene four months ago in his interview. Second, the regarding Black Agenda Report is not Black Agenda Report under Glenn Ford and all these, uh, Danny, all these people who are principal have done a really good job to, uh, give, uh, spotlight to, Eritrea, when it was under sanction, under the TPLF aggression, and Glenn Ford and the Black Agenda Report have been consistent. Now, the criticism was against uh, Anne Garrison. Anne Garrison, uh, you know, started writing, I guess, for the Black Agenda Report. I think she was somewhere else, but, you know, I follow her. Uh, she did uh, a good job in regards to Burundi, but at the same time, she just went went way off, and then, like, the last few months, it just... Uh, I, I don't know. It's just like she was not responding to private criticism about how the coverage of uh, Ethiopia is one-sided and she was giving, uh, you know, like spotlight or giving affirmation to people who are reactionary, who are who hold these anti-oppression nationalities views. It is pretty much slighted toward the Amharu region, slighted toward the PFJ point of view of but Ethiopia which is against the, you know, their narrative about the oppressed nationalities and national question. So, you know, I, re, you know, I try to privately reach out to her to say, hey, uh, maybe you read the invention of Ethiopia or maybe invite people or interview people who are not from this faction, who are only pro Abby. I'm not saying invite the pro TPLF people, but there are pe voices and leftist socialist elements from the marginalized communities that can give a balanced view of Ethiopia. And then like, in her view and her, uh, uh, favoritism is, you know, slanted toward those people who are from a dominant Amharu or Abyssinian region, uh, 
and their view and their view of Ethiopia and their view of everything. And it, it kind of like it's not have it's not uh, providing a, a full truth of the narrative of Ethiopia. And that, that was a cause of concern. I, re- I try to reach out privately and this, uh, she did not uh, uh, she I, I don't know, did not respond well to my uh, criticism and feedback. And I just that's why I had to say it. even Ben, I sent them a message. All these people, uh, except with the exception of Eugene. I've tried to carefully reach out privately and that's my uh, way of doing things. But if there's no way for you to hear this, then, uh, you know, there, there's a way to um, have these conversation publicly. I'm not an organization. I'm not in community with these people, but I am able to have conversation. They're journalists. So if they're journalists, you're able to provide concerns and feedback. And I've done that. And they, this is a, a way to make it public so that there is a public debate so that there are people who uh, can learn from this mistake and then adjust and not become ultra uh, one sided and then amplifying voices that are, you know, on, on the oppressed uh, against the oppressed nationalities, the narrative of Ethiopia and and so on. So that's always a concern. Yeah, so, you know, that's not my framing. Uh, breakthrough News, I always recognize that they've done a great job in the beginning of recognizing TPLF, uh, you know, is not to discredit their work as a media outlet or a black agenda. If that's that was the impression I gave, you know, I'd like to apologize. That's not, the, that's not my way of doing it. But the whole emphasis was on personalities of, you know, Eugene and Ann Garrison from those two outlet and not the organization itself because they do a good job in the beginning and emphasizing in the beginning, they were the first one. I give you them that uh, besides Black Agenda Report, they were the first uh, media outlet to focus on the TPLF. But the problem is they got way worse and they try to emphasize uh, Abby and uh, and then there was interviews or where uh, he was, you know, at, Eugene was at some type of conference and his positioning about Ethiopia uh, it was very disturbing, and I, I was like, how can, you know, it's, it's, it's very, uh, I, you know, I was shocked how the, the director rhetoric that was used about Ethiopia being an empire, these rhetorics that are, you know, based on such a colonial narrative, and, you know, this idea that Air, uh, Ethiopia was 3,000 years old, I keep repeating this, that e- Ethiopia is independent, Ethiopia was never colonized, and so on. These are the things that I was hearing from their side, and no socialist base can, should not have these non-materialist, uh, uh, you know, that is pr- based on fantasy, based on uh, n- mythology, based on embellish archive historical timeline that has another you know you cannot call all of the horn of africa ethiopian empire the horn of africa has independent entities and political uh you know politity that uh, existed prior to the creation of ethiopia this thing called the three thousand years history it is own is owned by all these independent entity and is not called the ethiopian empire there was no such thing as ethiopia that existed for three thousand years it is embellished and made up and for leftists like eugene and anna garrison all these people to have these views it's like i, I don't understand you have these views against uh, central colonialism uh, in israel uh, america you understand how these foundation and the creation there was no such thing as canada there was no such thing as australia a few years ago this is a new creation same thing applies to ethiopia you cannot have one position against social colonialism in one area and then somehow become, uh, you know, want to push the local narrative about the social colonialism and how it's created. It does not make sense. It's inconsistent. It's on principle. So 
that's why I was trying to uh, engage or have a public discussion with this podcast. Hopefully they hear. If not, uh, audience who hear it, uh, you know, you will have a better understanding that could be more balanced instead of taking on the same position as theirs. But yeah, moving forward, um, the another question uh, or positioning or feedback that I got uh, from they were saying the this is an appeal. I don't know. Again, like I think the the feedback I got with this another question is like that that um, this person has an impression or maybe they don't really listen to the podcast. But yeah, the emphasis on the PLF from way in the beginning of this episode when the first episode was recorded was uh, to make it noted that the TPLF is backed by Washington, and I made it clear. And this is not the same thing as uh, you know or echoing that you know there was some reactionary leftist or uh, quote-unquote leftists who during the invasion of uh, libya or the war on libya uh you know they were calling the uh washington back proxy actors in libya as revolutionaries this is not an effort to give legitimacy to tplf no way and no way no way no way tplf is washington back it must be clear that's the position i've had all these times even before for a long time you can look at my archive public speak whatever i've said washington is tplf back but i'm concerned about how the left views ethiopia and the consequences for the the ideological struggle the you know um the ideological struggle from the point of view of the marginalized uh historically marginalized the ideological struggle of evolving and, be, and you know pushing out a mass-based uh revolution a unifying way to bring all nationalities under one uh, umbrella to push out a, a a an idea that can bring all these people who feel they've been ignored alienated discredited by the ruling class from the abyssinian uh uh, up north uh, whether it's from the Amharu region or the, uh, the uh, Tigray region so this is a way to uh, bring that concern and make sure that there is no consequences and, and uh, for uh, future organization future way of uh, reimagining the horn or Ethiopia Eritrea and and so on so this is a way to uh, challenge and push back uh, the uh, the centering of Ethiopia in this way where you know anti-imperialism is not for uh, to support Ethiopia and then uh, silence the oppressed nationalities and their historical grievances because uh, that support can be equated to you saying oh you support Ethiopia that means you are for us to have this Ethiopia where uh, uh, Ethiopia in which these oppressed nationalities Ha, you know their language is Amharic. Uh, there is they all wear the same thing as the uh, Abyssinians. Their language is the same, and their land is called Ethiopia. And then there, there's no way, there's no need for them to call themselves Oromo. There's no need for them to call Somalia, and all and so on. So this, this, you know, or to give more of an emphasis or an autonomy or a way that that is the you know uh, uh, for each region to have control of their. Uh, uh, uh you know their politics internally their economy and work within a system that is more democratic uh, when i say democratic more from the scientific socialist point of view not the western idea of democratic i, I mean it in a way that is uh, can mobilize the masses unify workers in the horn of africa and also push out the uh you know uh to make sure the the national question is answered uh so that's the um answering all the feedback there the criticism hopefully that uh 
can help people who felt uh, some type of way based on those few criticism. But yeah, so before we end this podcast, let's uh, examine the positioning of the PFDJ uh, in Eritrea and also the Abyssinian or the Amharu region and their alliance and uh, to see if it's right and to examine it and also to examine like the the how I think some of the elements within their base are trying to use the primacy of class struggle over the national question. Now, so this ideological struggle has been going on for years, decades from the prior to the Derg, the 1960s, 1970s. The EPLF had this discussion. The, uh, even the TPLF have used it and exploited it. Uh, so this is an ongoing struggle with the uh, oppressed nationalities uh, within Ethiopia. And leftists have to understand the national question in Ethiopia has not been solved. Uh, the national question and its a way to solve this uh, problem um you know, has not been answered. Uh, and uh, like I mentioned, the TPLF exploited the national question to reassert themselves, to normalize, uh, you know, the settler state and to pretty much center themselves, control the uh, Addis Ababa. And they used this in 1991 to enter power, to fool the OLF the and the other oppression nationalities and neutralize them by using the national question against them and they try to present themselves as uh, savers of the oppression nationalities when they weren't so um you know the national question has been disregarded you know has been put on the back burner but is, is it is important for us to solve it and um even have a, a continuous ideological struggle on this because it's pretty much is ignored because of the tplf using it and weaponizing it and uh and then any type of discussion has been viewed as a way to uh echo the tplf when it's not the case but but understanding that the national question in ethiopia um uh, is something that is it's a it's an it's an ongoing issue that um comes from the marxist tradition the leninist uh tradition uh you know so this is something as a tool uh for us to solve the many many uh historical problems in ethiopia and the national question is one so let me just quote lenin uh lenin you know he's he stated that we must link the revolutionary struggle for socialism with a revolutionary program on the national question this is from lenin from 19, 1915 the revolutionary pluritet and the right of nation to self-determination again he, we must link the revolutionary struggle for socialism with the revolutionary program and the national question in this case the ethiopia has a national question now let me just quote another uh you know ethiopian marxist voices from the 70s uh this is from the uh worldwide federation of ethiopian students uh, 1978 it is fairly obvious that one cannot bring about equality and democratic relations among nations apart from the revolution and class struggle, which, among other things, require the involvement of all the people of the nationalities. Those who want to be uh, who want to solve the nationality question must see in earnest the link up of the national question with overall questions and the class struggle. So the, these are the left voices and you know intellectuals and marxists uh from the ethiopian left during the 70s and 80s who were supporting the idea of the nations and nationalities that the national question must be addressed 
So, uh, you know, then there was other faction within the uh, Ethiopian left space uh, during the 1970s who were um, against the national question who want to pretty much uh, center only the class struggle and then disregard the national question and then uh, discredit everything as tribalism, uh, discredit the oppressed nationalities as like, this is not needed, they're backwards, and we just must only focus on the class struggle. And this is kind of cleared, and we see it with uh, North America, the chauvinism of the white left, to emphasize it's the class struggle only and disregard the national question or disregard the indigenous population or the black America experience on race and uh, so on. So this is the same thing that's happening in Ethiopia. And there were Ethiopian leftists or socialists uh, who got it right and, um, you know, I am going to call out who, the two faction that got, you know, got the uh, one of the faction that got it right. And there was other individuals and personalities from the 1960s and 70s that got it right on the question of nationality, uh, uh, national question. So one of them is actually the Ethiopian People's Revolutionary Party. Uh, they had pretty much a position of supporting, uh, you know, somewhat the nations and nationalities uh the the struggle internally and their right to self-determination this is the key uh differences they had with the uh all ethiopian socialist movement the maison who supported the derg actually obviously the ethiopian people's revolutionary party opposed the derg uh you know for the this reason and also because they recognized they were trying to hijack the revolution now it must be noted that the ethiopian revolutionary party uh has become reactionary in their uh, views now they have a website and their uh their manifesto or their document or program it is very backwards uh it is not echoing the socialist marxist tradition of the ethiopian revolution prior to the hijacking of the uh revolution by the dirk uh so i mean the the uh ethiopian people's party are we're the only one or there were some other faction that got it right uh the uh, all ethiopian socialist movement got it wrong and supporting the national question but the only thing that um the ethiopian people's revolutionary party got wrong is not recognizing that the eritrean struggle for independence was an anti-colonial struggle and this is one of the uh problem they had they recognized the the right for uh, self-determination they were sympathetic to the eritrean cause but they never recognized that the eritrean struggle for independence was anti-colonial in nature is similar to the other African struggles uh, and the framing of it. There was other African revolutionary who, you know, Abu uh, from Zanzibar, who recognized that the uh, Eritrean revolution or the Eritrean struggle for independence was anti-colonial. But there were some uh, Ethiopian uh, revolution revolutionary organization that did not fully recognize it as a anti-colonial struggle. So that is the shortcoming of the Ethiopian People's Revolutionary Party. Uh, so... I mean, this is was the issue that EPLF was having. I think initially the EPLF was supporting the uh, EPRP uh, because it was very inclusive uh, of all the uh, nations and nationalities at first, and it was opposing the Derg. So the EPLF did have uh, links with the EP, uh, uh, EPRP, um, but the issue of Eritrea positioning and uh, understanding as um, the struggle as anti-colonial was one of the uh, uh, differences they had. But uh, 
and this is where the TPLF uh, tried to pretty much exploit this difference by reasserting that the Eritrean cause for independence was anti-colonial and they supported the Eritrean struggle for independence. But uh, that was done ideologically, strategically, not sincerely, but more so to uh, counter the EPR, uh, EPRP who they were, uh, you know, in a opposition. Uh, so this is the this is the struggle and complicated differences between EPLF, EPRF, and the uh, uh, EPLF. So, uh, so that's that's one way of understanding the national question from the perspective of the, uh, you know, the who within the Ethiopian revolutionary space was supporting the nations and nationalities and who wasn't. Uh, the the closest one that was um, that was close to pretty much perfecting it was the Ethiopian People's Revolutionary Party. I think if they had gone away from, uh, uh, you know, uh, just by recognizing the Eritrean struggle for independence was anti-colonial, would have pushed, uh, you know, give them more. Uh, they were supported initially by APLA, but uh, that would further given them legitimacy and then outflank uh, TPLF. They were outflanked by TPLF, obviously, uh, they were just, they didn't have the proper strategy, military strategy in the North. They were outflanked by them. They were not ready, basically. They were not ready to counter these ruthless, uh, TPLF and their positioning. So they were, they lost. They lost the, the battle with the TPLF. And despite having a, uh, you know, a legitimate, a principle, um, uh, not a perfect one to the national question. They were at flank and the TPLF uh, co-opted the national question to their uh, uh, politics and towards it view of, you know, Hoja views um, and try to center themselves in this, this discourse to make it seem like they're part of the oppressed nationalities when they are not. Yeah. So that that's, that's probably another episode that we need to discuss about the uh, uh, EPRP. So, uh, in addition to that, the, um, uh, it is to be noted that the Derg, uh, it, uh, their positioning on the nation and nationality was, despite the rhetoric on the paper or their policy or their program, uh, was pretty much to continue the previous landowners, ruling class, their views about the, you know, the oppressed nationalities that, you know, their, their rhetoric and slogan was, uh, one Ethiopia, Ethiopia first, and uh, you know this is something they had, and um, that is based on a foundation of normalizing the settler colonial state as is, as created by Menelik, uh, the romancing the feudal monarchs despite their uh, public rhetoric of opposing it, but they uh, kept this thing called Ethiopia that is created by them. Uh, you cannot oppose the, they claim to oppose the feudal class, but they were, uh, in league with the, uh, landowners, uh, from the Amharu region. And the Derg has a lot of legitimate criticism of holding majority, um, Haru nationalities within, you know, from the ruling, uh, uh regime of Halislasi. These are where different landowners who had gripes with the Halislasi regime. Even though they're both Abyssinian, so this was an issue about land being taxed. So the Derg was able to pull these reactionary elements and uh, keep everything intact as is, and keep their um, positioning as you know as ruling class within their within their space within the Derg, 
and you know the Amharus or the Abyssinians from the north made up 75% of the Dirk or 60% of the uh, committee were filled up by them and anybody can look this up so the dominant the dominant uh, uh, group or were from the north not of the oppressed nationalities or anything to that extent so i mean this is a ongoing question that the left needs to uh, reevaluate their positioning on the national question if you understand lenin uh his position on self-determination uh and you know how russia was a prison house of nations and nationalities how um uh, stalin and lenin prescribed this issue and how in order to foster uh trust between uh different uh, vast group of people you must acknowledge the nation the national question you cannot just say you guys are all ethiopian we must be ethiopian no that's not how it works you're gonna keep and alienate them because their version of ethiopia is one in which they don't have a right to speak their language their their cultural right their right to have their own land so you as a leftist are trying to impose this ethiopia onto them without actually uh, being principal and hearing them out and most of them for the most part the Persian nationalities want to stay within this thing called Ethiopia if it's legitimately answering the historical grievances and I think uh, th there needs to be a re-evaluation and uh, the positioning of the national question and let's get away from this uh, elements who, who try to uh prime up the class struggle over the national question no they are the same you need the class struggle and the national question and that was the mistake the pfj have, have made in ethiopia they have made uh you cannot import this uh, this issue or the approach uh from eritrea to ethiopia because the in ethiopia the national question has not been answered uh or have not properly uh, uh debated or resolved so that's that's the that's the last point I want to make about the national question. Um, and the next thing is the uh, the no more. It's similar to the 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 social media campaign. You know the Black Lives Matter and how it surfaced. And it, you know it reminds me. And I'm trying to copy exactly how Bruce Dixon of the Black Agenda Report. And Glenn Ford were the first and the left who were very suspicious, very careful, and trying to bring a light to the formation and the personalities and their political uh, positioning and their rhetoric and concerns. That's what I'm trying to do. The there should be concern about Simon Tesfaye Mariam and his usage of ethno-fascist, his uh, tribalism, the PFG positioning, and to disregard the national question as a problem. Uh, just like Bruce Dixon recognizing the BLM trying to run interference for the Democratic Party, their views on like imperialism, their views on uh, the the Black America struggle and their uh, the, the lack of class struggle, class analysis, and you know the the grifting and you know the all the things that we've seen or read from Bruce Dixon, uh, you know, the, the BLM activists trying to run interference because they didn't have the right politics. And that's what I'm trying to do with this no more thing. If the no more thing does not mean that uh, this thing, anti-imperialism, uh, neo-colonialism, uh, being against neo-colonialism, anti-imperialism, uh, the socialist basis of uh, pan-Africanism is theirs. No, this idea existed before this hashtag was created. 
So you can oppose imperialism and the Horn of Africa and not agree with the hashtag or the, the organizers behind it because they're liberal. They're liberal in their understanding of the Horn, their understanding of the global South, their understanding of how to answer the national question in Ethiopia. And they're very backwards and it doesn't give, uh, it's not very inclusive. The no more social media campaign, like I mentioned, it is led by mostly the Amharu region and in, in the diaspora. It is not inclusive of the Horn of Africa, despite the rhetoric, uh, despite the, there's some African social media content creators who are, you know, just chiming in, but that is not endorsement, a full endorsement from the African community, a full endorsement of all the nation, nations and nationalities from the Ethiopian diaspora, but it's being led. You can see all the no more hashtag has the imperial flag. All the, uh, hashtag has Menlek or reference to the battle of Idaho. So, this is a problem and it's very alienating and it is alienates, uh, the nations and nationalities. It alienates people who really properly see the value of the Eritrean revolution. It alienates people who just want to, uh, be inclusive and make sure that, uh, you know, a true movement that is very inclusive of the, the Horn of Africa and reimagining of the Horn of Africa, you know, requires tackling the national question, requires, um, you know, a class struggle, obviously. But also just re-examining the history of, uh, you know, neocolonialism and how Ethiopia was created, how Eritrea was created, and it's uncomfortable and requires for you to disengage with a uh, fantasy-based uh, narrative of Ethiopia, a fantasy-based narrative of uh, Eritrea as well, because there's a lot of narrative that is like that's not true about Eritrea as well. You know, as an Eritrean, uh, I love my country, but the way PFG has presented it and the the people like Simon, and uh, it's not, and there's, there's a lot of like uh, limitation, political limitation uh, that can be said about the PFG positioning uh, in regards to the Eritrean revolution. There's a lot of lack and there's a lot of problems internally in their efforts to continue the Eritrean revolution. They have not done that. There's no, the Eritrean revolution has been stagnant. There's no assembly. There's no system that's, you know, that is pretty much continue this thing called the Eritrean revolution under the PFJ. Everything is, but, uh, uh, everything is pretty much a national security issue, disregarding the need to create, uh, a revolutionary system internally beyond just, uh, having a national state that can, um, defend against itself against imperialism, which is important. And I, I support that. And that's where the PFJ is able to, you can say they're do, they have done that. That's the position and it's a correct position. But beyond that, they're wrong on the, how to manage the Eritrean revolution, uh, moving forward, creating a system. Uh, and they're wrong on the na national question inside Ethiopia. And yeah, and that's, that is something that we need to discuss and understand and understand left criticism of Ethiopia, Eritrea. Somalia and and all of the uh, states in the Horn of Africa. So, thank you very much uh, for listening to long uh, rants, and hopefully this episode will help you to have balance uh, criticism, balance point of view on Ethiopia, Eritrea, because what you're hearing on the social media can be uh, can still d direct you in a wrong way. 
So you're gonna you know might have the wrong understanding of Ethiopia that can alienate you from the Persian nationalities. You might have the wrong uh, view of Eritrea that can alienate you from the people who support the Eritrean revolution legitimately, or the people who you know the Eritrean people who uh, who sue who sue things differently from what how the PFJ cadres like Simon present Eritrea as. So it's a lot of uncomfortable criticisms, a lot of uncomfortable analysis or views that needs to be said. Again, like I'm not opposing Eritreans, Ethiopian, Somalis from uh having an alliance uh or forming an organization that brings all of them together under a principle of unity and then the principle of unity has to be in a way that uh everyone can support the oppressed nationalities uh decolonization and addressing the historical grievances and ways to move forward if there's no there's no principle of unity on these then what is the point i mean there's not anti-imperialism you're using the rhetoric of anti-imperialism to give legitimacy to a settler state idea that Mela created with the European assistance. We don't need that. Uh, that's it. All right. Thank you very much.